Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by SGX coach and personal trainer, Robin. Robin and I had a great conversation around the fears, the beliefs, the ideas that we have that keep us from doing what we ultimately want to do. We had a great discussion on how to get that out of our heads, how to learn new skills with these fears that we have in order to overcome these fears. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you will find this information highly valuable. So let's tune in. All right, Robin, I am super excited to get you on here. Um, You have your own podcast. You deal with a lot of athletes over the age of 40, which is the majority of us in this world. I'm not quite there, but I'll be there soon. Um, But as athletes, as racers, as humans in general, we all deal with different excuses that go on, whether it's age or injuries or life or this, that, and the other. And so I'm excited to dive into this with you because I know that's part of what you do a lot with is kind of overcoming this stuff, helping people see past their excuses. But first, let's just talk about you. Who are you? How'd you get into coaching and, and all this stuff? How much time you got? Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, my name is Robin Leggett. Uh, I'm based out of Los Angeles. I am owner of Rise Up Training in Santa Monica. We're an obstacle race training gym. A small studio in Santa Monica. And then I also host the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. And I the main focus of the podcast is I interview athletes who are over 40 from a variety of sports. Um, I've interviewed athletes ranging from 40 to 92 years old so far. I'm trying to get some that are older. I'm trying to get that woman that uh, ran the senior games at age 100, I think. Uh, so I'm working on that one. But uh, my goal with the podcast is to help people believe in um, and explore their athletic potential regardless of age. And I especially want to reach women because I think the messaging in our culture, really when it comes to women, is that when you reach a certain age, you're kind of done. And men don't always get that messaging, but women definitely seem to hear that message. And I'm trying to just get rid of that, that there's so much we can do uh, in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And I'm showing and I'm showing proof in every single interview that I do, what is possible. Um, So I want people to really go out and achieve bold athletic and fitness goals regardless of age. So that's, that's what I do with the podcast. And that's really kind of where my passion has been lying is helping people who are beyond age 40 and, and especially women really challenge themselves and learn what they can do because I think it just brings, it inspires so much confidence in yourself at an age where you might not feel confidence in yourself or you may not be putting time into yourself because of work, because of family, that I really want people to explore what they can do because that does then further motivate them to be active and healthy. And then um, my own athletic experience, I was a late in life athlete. I never played sports growing up. I was the awkward kid and the kid who was picked last for sports. And I never played a single sport until I was in my late 20s when I moved to LA and didn't know anybody and went on Craigslist. This was back in the early 2000s before social media. And you go on Craigslist to meet people. Um, And I found an ad for a roller derby league. And I was like, that sounds interesting. And I went to practice and fell in love and ended up playing roller derby for 11 years. And when I retired from roller derby, I wasn't done being athletic. And I ended up, um, I had an outdoor boot camp at the time. And I took a group of people to run a Spartan race 
in at the end of 2015 as a bonding activity and they thought it was a super fun bonding activity and I thought oh my gosh I love this and I want to do this forever and I just went all in I drank the Kool-Aid went all in and I now I recently completed my 50th race um, I'm racing in age group I've um, I've had three podiums so far, so that's exciting. And I'm going to world championships in a week. So, awesome. um, so yeah, I'm just really excited about competing myself. I'm 44 years old. I'm about to turn 45. So I'm walking, walking the walk and talking the talk. And that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Awesome. So how did you pick roller derby? Why was that one of your choice? I'm curious. I know it's such a weird thing, right? For someone who never played sports. Um, I always loved roller skating. Like that was a love of mine. My favorite movie of all time is Xanadu. Um, if you've never seen this movie, don't watch it and think it's going to be amazing. It's actually quite terrible. But as, as a kid in 1980, when I watched it in the theater, it blew my mind. And I just always had roller skates in my life. I wasn't an athlete necessarily. Like I wasn't playing sports. Definitely anything with a ball was a problem for me. But the nice thing is roller derby doesn't have one. It's just your own body and roller skates. And so I always was pretty adept at roller skating just recreationally. And I always thought roller derby looked cool, but I didn't think it was a sport that existed anymore. I thought it was a sport, a relic from the past. And, you know, back in 2001, some women in Austin, Texas decided to bring it back and it started slowly spreading around the country. And LA was like the fourth league that popped up. And I joined two months after they formed. I just saw the ad and I needed to meet people. I had no friends and I was miserable. So I, I went to the practice because I was like, roller derby is a thing? Cool. I'll check it out. It was scary, though. It was scary to go to that practice by myself and not know anybody. Um, luckily, there were a lot of people who were in the same boat um, that were joining around that time. And so I just fell in love with it. I, I picked up the skating pretty fast uh, and fell in love with the sport and how it how mentally and physically engaging it was because it's a sport where you're playing offense and defense at the same time. And you have to, there's a lot of things you have to be aware of on the track while you're skating. And I love a mental challenge. Like I, I love learning. And I, I think something about fitness that I think is interesting that most people don't tap into is the aspect of learning that when you're learning a new skill, learning a new lift or an OCR, learning an obstacle, like, that's the best part of it. That, the, that part is the part that excites me because it's mentally engaging and you're kind of trying to work through, you're just trying to work through it and figure it out. And so it's, it's sharpening your mind while it's sharpening your body. And that's what I loved about roller derby. I was never, I'm not someone who would say I was ever really good at it. Like I had moments, I was a great team player, but I was never like, I never mastered it, you know, in 11 years, I never mastered it. And that's part of what I love about that. And that's part of what I, love about OCR. I think that's why I actually see a lot of retired roller derby skaters get into OCR because it's tapping into a lot of the same sort of endorphin centers and adrenaline centers and mental stimulants. It's like, I'm, I may never master this sport, but that's the beauty of it is that I, there's always something to learn. So definitely. Yeah. Let's kind of dive into that a little bit, the, the mental engagement part of it. You learned this through roller derby. You, I'm sure, are integrating this into you know, the coaching that, are, that you're doing. How does knowing everything you learned then and experienced then um, with that mental engagement impact how you're coaching your athletes? Um, I think it's interesting because for many years I actually taught beginner roller derby classes. So I was teaching people who came in off the street who hadn't been on skates since their third grade birthday party. And I was teaching them the fundamentals of roller derby. And I taught, 
it was a class called Derby por Vida that the LA Derby dolls still have. And I taught that class for like nine years or something. I taught it for years. And what I loved about that, that I've brought into my coaching is that first of all, coaching is very individual. Like everybody kind of brings in their own stuff and their own fears and fear is a lot of it. When you're doing something as an adult, like think about this for a second. Like when we put on roller skates as a kid, you know, you're fearless. If you, when you get on monkey bars as a kid, you're fearless. You get on monkey bars as an adult and you're worried about breaking your ankle coming off of it, even if it's only like a foot off the ground, (laughs) you know? And so we bring all this baggage into it. And so when I coach, I have to kind of teach people to interesting when we talk about engaging your mind, but I actually have to teach people to think less a little bit Mm -hmm. and that you got to turn your brain off a little when you're approaching like an obstacle Um, or when you're approaching in roller derby, it was the the best one. The best example is teaching people how to turn around and skate backwards because for a lot of what we do in both of these sports, our brain is going to be reminding us of how dumb it is that we're doing it. Like that's the brain's purpose is to remind you that you are a grown adult and you have no business doing any of this. And that's counter to what you're trying to do. (laughs) So you have to figure out how to shut off that part of your brain while you're doing this activity. And so I'm always telling people like, don't think, just do, don't think, just do like, and then because you have to shut off that part of your brain that's telling you that it's stupid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it's protecting you. It's there. It's this grown up brain thing that's trying to protect you. And if you're really truly going to learn, you have to shut that part off so that you can do the thing you're trying to do and learn what you need to learn to master the technique. So it's been good using those parallels. And this is especially when I'm working with obstacles that are fear-based that when you have to, to run up and jump up a wall or, go across monkey bars or climb a rope and get, you know, the rope always looks endlessly high when you first start practicing it. And, you know, it's the funny thing when, when you race, like when you go to your first Spartan race and you're like, that rope is so high, it's like 50 feet high. And then you learn it and then you show up again and you're like, did they lower the rope? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no, you just, you just got it. And now it doesn't look so high. So um, it's just the weird psychology stuff that we all bring in as adults that as a coach, you have to work through it and it's different for different people. So it gets highly individualized sometimes, kind of working with people and figuring them out and learning about them and what kind of coaching techniques will work better with them. Where some people being really ant and high energy works well with them and some people that that would scare them and you need to be a little calmer. So um, that's sort of what I've learned over the years. Awesome. And that's a great point as far as just the getting out of your head. Cause I know myself personally, anything that's still like my body's still trying to figure out the movement on, or if it's an obstacle that I consistently fail or I'm just not consistent with in general, it's like, I stand there and just stare at it. Yeah. <laughs> and I do it to the point that it's just like three, two, one, go, like stop thinking, just go yeah. do it. Let your body do what it knows how to do. And See what happens. Yeah, I had a friend um, say once that like, and I don't know if she heard it from somebody, but I heard it from her and it stuck with me. It was like, and I'm probably getting this wrong, but like staring at it won't make it easier or, you know, (laughs) Um, so it's like, why waste your time? And I do it too. Like, I'm not sitting here being like, I'm a master of all obstacles. I'm really not. So in fact, uh, when I raced Spartan Race Utah, my coach was at the monkey bars, which was the first obstacle of the race. And I was standing there 
like mentally getting ready and he was just like go just go just go and it's like oh yeah just go you know <laughs> staring at it doesn't doesn't make it get easier for you you know no. <laughs> <laughs> so you know why why do that so and then it just and you want to get done with the race as quickly as possible so why delay um so i get it and i do that spear throw is my enemy like it's it's my nemesis still to this day um 50 races in i've landed two so i'm not your spear throw coach but (laughs) (laughs) but i stand there i stare and it's like i you know if i don't have the technique i don't have the technique you know nothing's going to change so (laughs) just throw it (laughs) that's the one that i'm the same way like i have yet to land one but it's one that i just for whatever reason, that's not one I hesitate at. It's just like, we'll throw it. And if it makes it, it makes it. If it does, I'm starting it doesn't. to get to that point. I'm starting to get to that point because I'm just, and people give me advice constantly. And the problem is I've received so much different advice when it comes to spear throw that it all just is like a jumble in my head and I can't make head or, heads or tails of it. So I have to just lob it and see if it, see if it works and maybe, happens? <laughs> maybe something will click someday. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's been my, my problem. <laughs> when we're dealing with fears especially on some of those hanging obstacles that we actually you know could fall and get injured on how are you working with your athletes to overcome some of those fears that that we get I you know first of all I just I just have them practice like I just have them get on it um as much as they can in different scenarios so we're actually lucky in that we have monkey bars in our gym and then we train in a park with monkey bars and then we train at a trail that has monkey bars so there's three different heights three different kinds three different like distances between the bars um but i really like and with beginners i really try and at least get them to get the the hand over hand technique because at least i always tell them it's like if you have two hands on a bar you're always going to be more secure than one hand on a bar so i'm trying to sort of tap into what makes them feel more confident and so usually that's the hand over the hand to hand technique and i know i'm showing the video um where you lead and follow and then trying to move, trying to get them to move as fast as possible. Cause again, they get in their heads, they have one hand here, one hand behind, and then they just stay there. And I was like, lead, lead, follow, lead, follow, don't stop. And so I usually will talk them through that. Like I'll actually say that to them as they're going across the monkey bars. I'll be like, lead, follow, lead, follow, lead, follow. So they hear my voice and they know what to do. And when they can get across one time, or even when they can get halfway across, that gets a, that boosts their confidence. So any sort of milestone or progress they make, I celebrate it and it boosts their confidence. And so, and then they tend to want it more. So then they tend to be a little less fearful the next time around. Um, and then I, I often remind them of how far they actually are off the ground, <laughs> at least <laughs> the monkey bars. And it's like, you know, don't worry if you come down, it, it really is like a foot, like you're okay. So I, I talk them through that as much as possible. So I'm just trying to guide them um, and then celebrate their progress, whatever that progress is, so they can get excited and want to try it again. Just want to quickly go to technique itself. Do you have more success with people going forward or more sideways with it? Um, it depends on the monkey bars because I love lateral. Like I love it. Not in the race. The, the way they're spaced in the races, I can't do lateral. Okay. So, um, so I can teach, I teach all methods. When I do a monkey bar like clinic, I'll teach all methods and encourage them to A, find the one that they feel best at, but also B, play with them all because you never know when you're going to have to change on race day. 
whether it's the space of the bars, how far apart they are, which they seem to be making them farther and farther apart, or the conditions, the weather, if they're wet, you might have to change how you go across. So I'm, and that's the same with rigs too. Like I always try to get them to learn multiple techniques so that they can change on the fly because you could practice one technique to the end of time and then show up at a race and your technique's not going to work on whatever setup they have. Mm -hmm. And you're either, you have one of two things happen you're screwed or you switch to another technique. Um, and so the more tools you have in your toolbox, the better off you're going to be. So I actually encourage them to learn multiple techniques and play around and sometimes change midway. But that's, that's what I encourage. But I, I don't know. I see them do forward more often just because a lot of them are beginners and beginners tend to do the hand over hand forward. And then I try and teach them, Hey, lateral might feel easier for you. Why don't you give it a try? And I'm always encouraging them to play around. Cool. Let's kind of talk about the age excuse, but more in the factor of people having all like previous injuries that they're now experiencing pain for and just kind of making these excuses of, I can't do X, Y, and Z because of, you know, this injury. How do we, how do you break through some of those things? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, it depends on the nature of the injury for sure, but if it's an old injury that's not really as present anymore, um, I really encourage them. I mean, first thing, if it's a, if it's a current injury, like I have people even in my own gym that get injured for, you know, various things that they do in their lives. And I always encourage them to keep coming in and do something else. So, you know, if, if we, you know, I had somebody who broke her hand rock climbing and it's like, cool, keep coming in. Let's work on your lower body. Let's work on your running. Let's work on anything that doesn't involve that hand. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you can't run because of an ankle thing, then we're going to work upper body for a little bit. And, you know, it's, I always encourage them to stay active in some way, shape or form um, and not give up the progress that they've made. Um, when people, I, I get it a lot, you know, the combination of age and I've got this and that, you know, I've got this injury or that injury or, and I often cite my podcast um, when I talk to these people because I, I just, it's like, I have all this evidence of people that have various backstories. Some of them were athletic their whole lives. Some of them weren't athletic till they were older. Some of them had, you know, pains, you know, osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, and that becoming more active actually helped with all of that stuff. People who are on medication for various things that could go off medication because they were active, because they were participating in athletics. So that's, that's the nice thing that I have is like, just listen to my podcast, like listen to these stories and I dare you to not be inspired. Usually when they, when they come with excuses, it's probably something else that's underlying. It's that's stopping them. It's probably not the, the injury as much as the fear. Like it really, I think comes down to fear of looking bad, you know, fear of failing uh, not being able to do the exercises or holding up the class or, and these are all just self-imposed limitations. And I always do my best to ease their minds that like, no one's judging you here. You can start at any level, like any, I always say any good coach can take somebody at the level they're at and meet them where they're at and put them on some sort of program that can take them where they're at to, to whatever that next place is. But I think people just put on these fears and these expectations of 
and especially in a, in a thing like obstacle racing, like uh, when I do my, when I do my first race, I have to complete every obstacle without failure. Other, otherwise I'm not ready. And it's like, you know, or if I come to this workout class, I need to do everything at the top level or I'm not ready. And I always do my best to ease their minds that no, you don't like we can modify for you. We can scale things back. I want everybody to feel as successful as possible wherever they're at. Um, so that's, that's my job to sort of ease their minds. And so I encourage people who might be watching or listening, who might relate to this. I want you to look inward a little bit as to the real reason why you're reluctant to, uh, start an exercise program or try a new challenge that if you are currently injured, there are usually workarounds to help condition you in different ways. And if you're not currently injured, but you had an injury previously, is it really the injury that's holding you up or is it something else? Is it fear? Is it, you know, apprehension, whatever limitation that you have put on yourself that you think I'm too old, I'm, I can't hack it, you know, and I'm here to say, yes, you can. Everybody's going to be on a different timetable, but with patience and persistence, you can get there. And I think you nailed it there. The, the fear of failure or the fear of not keeping up that sort of thing. Cause how many people do we talk to on a daily basis? Like, Oh, I'll start, you know, I, I turn it into CrossFit gym. Like I'll start CrossFit when I'm in better shape. Yes, I get that all the time. And then I'll go and it's like, well, that's kind of not the purpose. Yeah. I'll come to your, I gotta, I gotta work out before I come to your exercise class. And yeah. it's like, but that's what my class is for. Like I'm here to help you. And you're never going to come to my class. If you say that, like if somebody says that to me and then I, and then we end our conversation, I'm not going to see them. Like they're not coming because they, that's their wall that they put up. But when are they going to work out? The whole point is they need motivation to work out. I'm here to provide that. So yeah. I, and it's, and then there's just, I think it's a, it's like a little, it's like a stereotype or a lack of education that people think you need to be at a certain level to do CrossFit or you need to be at a certain level to come and do obstacle race training. But again, like good coaches and most gyms have good coaches uh, will take you from your play from wherever you're at and teach you what you need to learn. I, I did CrossFit for a little bit and I learned the basics from the beginning. And when I was learning, they weren't throwing a bunch of weight on my bar. You know, I was learning technique with an empty bar and that's what you do. So um, the people who could push past that barrier and, and face their fear and go to that class, that's when they're going to see the rewards. Just like when I went to that roller derby practice, that was scary. Like I didn't know anybody and I was going to a roller derby practice. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> I brought my pair of like thrift store skates and I didn't have like any of the right gear, but you know, I, I told myself I was going to show up because to me, the only other option was being miserable, like being miserable and lonely in a city where I didn't know anybody. So for me, I had enough motivation to get out the door and go to the roller rink and, and face my fears and go to that practice. And it, it changed my life. Like in so many ways, I would not be an OCR coach if not for roller derby. Um, I became a fitness trainer because of roller derby, because of teaching people how to roller skate. I met my husband <laughs> through roller derby. I got engaged at a roller derby game. And I got married on a roller derby track. Like, I was going to say, I remember seeing pictures recently. Of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I cannot, I cannot state enough how much it changed my life. Now imagine if you were to just go to a fitness class and, and you're probably just thinking like, I just need to work out, but imagine if it could change your life like massively. And that's, I think a lot of people in OCR are experiencing that. I think people who are watching this or listening to this, 
I'm sure there's going to be some people that are like, yes, OCR changed my life. Like I was, I was this before and now I'm happy and I'm confident and I'm badass. And it's like, it can change your life. That's what I love about these sports. And, but you have to have the courage to set foot in your first class or, or talk to a coach or just do that workout program or show up and sign up, sign up for a race and show up and get from start line to finish line. Even if you fail all the obstacles in between, I, you know, second year I did Tahoe, I did 330 burpees. So if you do less than that, you're already winning. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So yeah, there's, and that's something that I'm trying to explain to people too, that there, there, there's no such thing as failure unless you don't try. Like there's, when it comes to OCR, when people think like, I'm not going to be able to do this until I can do all these obstacles. Well, you know what? Most people fail obstacles at least once in a race. It's a rare unicorn who can show up on their first race and have a clean race and never fail an obstacle. Like I have yet to have a clean race in almost four years. So, you know, it's, that's a part of racing and that's why we do burpees. So, (laughs) you know, practice your burpees. But if you go in with an attitude of it's okay if I fail, because I'm going to learn from it and I have something to work on, then that's going to help fuel you and propel you to the next race and to get to your workouts and to, to, to get that training in. Um, that's what's fueled me for, for personally for almost four years. And going back to that learning, learning side of things, that's one thing I absolutely love about OCR. It's why I absolutely love CrossFit because there's always something to work on. There's always something to improve on. Same thing with OCR. It's like you can always improve like even if you can do an obstacle you can always find a way to work on your technique to get faster mm-hmm. with it to get more efficient with it and and i just love that side of learning with with the activity yeah yeah you can always get more efficient with the obstacle you can always work on tightening up your running um getting better at hill running um all of that stuff like there's just because and every race is different so when you get really good at the obstacles, then can you get good at them when it's raining, when it's snowing, when things are muddy, when you get to a race course like Chicago, where it's just a freaking mud fest, like, um, can, can you handle it in all these different environments? And that's what, that's the great thing about OCR. It's not just like you show up and everything's exactly the same. There's always going to be little differences Mm -hmm. and little like hiccups to your plan. So you can, you know, all the best laid plans can go out the window when, um, you know, Arizona is an example where it was freezing cold in the morning and there was frost on the monkey bars and, and elites were falling off, like top level elites were falling off monkey bars and Z-Wall. You know, what are you going to do? You know, um, I did a race when I did Chicago, my husband and I did that race and we were pretty excited because all of the top elites failed rope climb, like the top 10 men failed the rope climb that day. It was so muddy and we got up the rope and we're like, Yeah. <laughs> We're better than the top 10 men Uh, (laughs) right at this moment and probably never again. But you know, those little moments and those little wins, but yeah, you can always, there's always something to work on and something to learn and something to get better at. And then, and then, and then when you get really good at stuff, they introduce new obstacles. They're like, surprise. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You know, here, we're going to put a big platform wall in front of the cargo net. That's as tall as you are. Yay. Have fun. (laughs) So like, even when you start feeling confident, then they just throw some new stuff at you and you're back to square one on certain things. So, but that keeps it exciting. So true. Awesome. I'm not bitter about that cargo thing at all, by the way. 
can tell. <laughs> I got no, no issues that have formed from that. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of close it out. If people want to find you, reach out to you, um, need help with coaching, want to find your podcast, how can they do that? Oh gosh, a million links. Okay. Uh, we can start with Instagram. So Instagram, my Instagram is at Robin Leggett SGX, R-O-B-I-N-L-E-G-A-T-S-G-X. Um, my gym is riseuptraining.sm. So if you're ever in LA, please reach out. We would love to have you come in. And if you live in LA, definitely reach out. We are a full service obstacle race training gym. So we train, um, we basically train you to be the all around athlete that you need to be to do these types of races. And we have a really awesome community podcast is at seasoned athlete. And then if we're doing websites, uh, robinleggett.com is my website. And I, and I'm working on some really awesome stuff there. So definitely keep an eye on that. And then, um, uh, at RUTSM or I'm sorry, RUTSM.com is my gym. And then uh, seasonedathlete.me. So that's really important. It's dot me because I'm a seasoned athlete and so are you. That's the podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Robin. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. This was super fun. Thank you. You're welcome. And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance, where you can both join your OCR tribe, as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer, a more resilient racer, and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.